What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is another edition of Mailbag Monday. We're doing a full show, all three segments, answering listener questions about the Trailblazers. If you want to get involved, there's two ways to do it. One, whenever you're thinking of a question, just tweet at me, at Mike G. Rich on Twitter. Send me your question. I'll save it. Answer it here. Or... Watch the skies on Monday morning when I solicit your questions on Twitter. I'll send out a tweet soliciting questions. You respond to that tweet. I will get it up here. Today, we're a little bit light on questions, to be totally honest. It was Martin Luther King Jr. Day here in the United States of America. And traditionally, I think people were not at work, which means they were not wasting time on Twitter. So maybe you missed the call. But... We got enough to fill up a show. Might move a little bit faster than we normally do, but it'll give us time to ruminate on the best questions. So let's do it. Let's get it started. This first one comes from Matthew at Reverend Romulus on Twitter who asks, Is it hypocritical for me as a 41-year-old man who once hurt myself while playing basketball with my 10-year-old son to worry about Ariza being too old to help this team? Yeah, Trevor Ariza's 35. Uh, He's younger than you, Matthew sweet reverend. Um, Is it hypocritical? I'm going to say no. My gut is no, it's not hypocritical because you were never, I'm just going to throw this out here, Matt. You were probably never as good at anything as Trevor Ariza is at basketball. So judging yourself by the standards you would judge him is unfair. Maybe not hypocritical, but unfair. But I do think, uh, even in your joke and my my attempted jokes back at you, that there is some concern that Ariza's, I I think facts, not even concern. I think Trevor Ariza's best days are behind him. Uh, Can he help this team? Maybe a little bit. I mean, how much worse would he have to be than Kent Bazemore? Like, how bad would he have to be to be significantly worse than Kent Bazemore? Bazemore is uh, still an NBA-level athlete. But he couldn't shoot. His decision making was really poor. Um, he just he just had a lot of negatives about him. Uh, I don't think he was a net positive in the Blazers lineup. So the idea that Trevor Ariza could be a net negative or just neutral option playing thirty minutes a night at small forward seems relatively reasonable to me. Uh, you're not a hypocrite, Matthew, but you may be being a little bit harsh. Okay, this next question comes from Spokeland at Brutal Telling on Twitter who asks, Thoughts on Wenyan Gabriel's potential? For what they are worth, his G League highlights show flashes of a lengthy and athletic forward with some shooting touch. Also, the meaning of his first name makes him a perfect addition to the roster this season. This next one, uh, along the same line, so I'll read it here too. Justin P at Justin P one 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 or eleven eleven on Twitter asks, "What are your expectations for former five-star recruit Wendon Gabriel? Can he crack Stotts' rotation and become an impact player off the bench?" Let's uh, circle back, Spokeland. You pointed me to something I did not know and I learned today, and for that I thank you. Wendon Gabriel's first name means "wipe your tears." Perhaps the perfect first name for this Trailblazers season. So what are my thoughts on him and Kenny Stotts' rotation and what are my general thoughts on him? Um, he can crack Terry Stotts' rotation. Tonight, Moses Brown played 
three minutes. Wenyan Gabriel is probably better than Moses Brown. So yeah, sure, he could probably play. Um, I think the Blazers plan to play Caleb Swanigan real minutes at center. Uh, Jalen Horde's been fine playing those weird backup center minutes. It's just that he's a small forward. So that's not great. I mean, he's he can play four in the league. Probably he's big enough and long enough to play four in the league. I'm, I'm kind of exaggerating. But the, the Blazers don't really have a backup center, so I think the plan is to play Caleb Swanigan those minutes. But I don't know that Swanigan is, near, is talented enough or good enough or even as comfortable in Stotts' system considering maybe he has a tiny leg up because he was here before Gabriel. So I, I don't think Swanigan is going to be in that spot forever set in stone. Gabriel, uh, you know, he's tried to stretch his outside shooting stroke to three. Uh, he's NBA sized. Like he's, he's a little skinny, but he's like the right size for an NBA player. So yeah, I think he, I think he, I think he will get some minutes to show, you know, he'll get a small chance to show if he can play. Um, I don't have high expectations for him. I love that Justin P that you mentioned that he was a five-star recruit. Uh, I would also add that he was an undrafted player. Uh, I, I think he can. I think he can crack the rotation, but become an impact player, I think, is a little bit too high. Although the Blazers' uh, threshold for what impact means is relatively low this year, but I, I do think he's an interesting part of this trade. Um, just adding, you know, he's probably just filler, really, the way that they look at it. But uh, just their need for for NBA bigs, people taller than six foot eight on the roster is, is pretty high. Um, so yeah, I think I, I, I'm excited to have Wenyan Gabriel get real minutes and see what he can do. And maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe Spokeland is right about the G league highlights and maybe Justin P is right about former five-star recruits. All right. In the next segment, we're going to keep it moving with more of your questions. But before we get there, I want to tell you guys about calm. We talk about physical fitness a lot, But there's another side of the game that's just as important. I'm talking about mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, and Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. For LeBron James, sleep is an important part of his mental fitness routine. He says... Getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my body and mind. And if you head to calm.com slash LockedOnNBA, you'll get 40% off a Calm Premium membership. That's right. For a limited time, Locked On Blazers listeners can join LeBron in using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash locked on MBA. That's C-L-A-M dot C-O-M slash locked on MBA. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash locked on MBA. Calm.com slash locked on MBA. All right, still locked on Blazers, still Mailbag Monday. Let's keep it rolling. More of your questions. This next one's come from Great Googly Moogly at Great Googly Mo 11 on Twitter who asks, Two questions. Great googly moogly. Great week to have two questions. We needed it. First, update on Zach Nurk progress. You know, there's there's no real update. That is a classic Terry Stottsism. He will. He said that today when asked about C.J. McCollum's ankle injury. You know, there's no real update. Here's the update on Yusuf Nurkic. Behind the scenes, he is working out hard. 
in the locker room before games, if you are in there at the right time, uh, reporters are around, uh, allowed in there for about 30 minutes. Uh, I usually don't just hang out for 30 minutes, but if I'm in there in that 30-minute window and I happen to see Nurk, the handful of times I've seen him, he is sweating. He's, he's going through a full workout behind the scenes. He's been traveling with the team and reportedly get, getting work in on the side while he's on the road. He wants to return. I think he could, could, could maybe return before the All-Star break. I certainly think that's a possibility. I think it's more likely that he returns after the All-Star break. But in terms of concrete update, I don't have that for you, Great Googly. Zach, you know, he's he's still working his way back. He's going to get reevaluated in the middle of March. Um, so we are a ways away. We're probably We're probably six weeks away from just getting an update on Zach Collins, maybe five weeks away from getting an update on Zach Collins. He really wants to play, but whether the Blazers doctors tell him in March, hey, you need another three weeks, could be, could be, a, you know, that could be the hindrance. He's going to get reevaluated in March. He's going to ask to play during that reevaluation. We will just have to wait and see. Second question. Chances Neil Olshay trades Hassan Whiteside for a less disappointing slash more helpful for next season return. Ah, I think that's fairly slim. I think if the Blazers do trade Hassan Whiteside for something, it probably won't be any money on the books for next season. There's a chance I'm wrong, but I would assume, and some of your fellow listeners have asked questions that will lend me to go further into this, that I I assume it'll be for financial relief if they trade Whiteside. But I also kind of think... You can't trade Whiteside and hold off if Nurk isn't going to come back until after the All-Star break. I don't think you can survive 10 days. Likely can't survive 10 days with whatever you trade for Whiteside because I don't can't imagine it's a starting NBA center. Uh, Whiteside, for all his problems, is by far the Blazers' best option at center right now. He's their only option at center. And he's like a... He's decent. He, he has some real problems, some real limitations, but... Um, there aren't just better options on the street. I, you know, I don't, I don't think that is the case by any means. So I wouldn't hold out hope that you get a less disappointing, more helpful for next season return. I would assume you will get a, if, if there is a white side trade, you will get a moderately helpful in the short term and not around next season type return. Okay. Next question comes from David Knopp at KnoppDA on Twitter who asks, it seems like the team would like to get under the luxury tax line. Do you consider it likely that they will be able to pull that off before the deadline? Would you consider that to be a smart move, assuming they will give up some sort of asset to achieve it? I think the second part is the key part, David. If the Blazers have to give up a first-round pick to duck below the uh, tax line, I don't think it's a good idea. I don't. I'm not really super worried about what the Allen estate pays in luxury taxes. If they pay a $7 million bill, I can't imagine that they that, that is a big deal to them. It's probably a better way to run a business, a more responsible way to run a billion-dollar business, but I don't think that's particularly... To me, that seems like such a, such a small thing for the richest people in the universe to pay. So... I don't know if it's smart. Maybe it's smart because you avoid luxury tax repeater penalties in the future. Getting under it now means the penalties are less stiff three and four years down the line. If you're in the tax three out of four seasons, 
you'd have to pay that repeater tax. So maybe getting out now and staying out next year gives them a little bit of runway to not be a repeater tax team, which makes maybe they can be f- f- uh, field more expensive teams down the line when, when Damon CJ's uh, extensions have kicked in. So yeah, maybe it's important just for that reason, but I don't consider it some sort of like holistically smart move in the short term. Um, do I think they'll be able to pull it off? Maybe, but I think it's gonna be hard to trade Hassan Whiteside without giving up a pick just because there just aren't that many people around the league with $27 million in trade assets that would be willing to do that without, a without some sort of payment in return. Um, you know, teams can just sign Hassan Whiteside as a free agent this summer. There's no, unless you really want his bird rights, there's no real value um, in going to get him now. I guess maybe some teams over the ta- over the over the cap might want his bird rights, but I don't think he's going to be super valuable. The Blazers had to give up two second round picks to um, have the Kings take on that Bazemore money. So you would imagine that there are um, some there is some co- compensation that would be need to tie to Whiteside if the Blazers get the same kind of deal. So I don't consider it likely. Um, I don't consider it wildly unlikely. I give it like a forty percent chance. Okay, this next qu- question comes from it's Tony T at Anthony Tonkin on Twitter who asks: Considering the Blazers are looking for Zach to start next year, is there any chance for them to re-sign? mellow along the same lines does kevin love trade even make sense in the long term i feel like i talk about kevin love every every mailbag i feel like i answer this question every mailbag so i'm going to give it to you like the 15 second version kevin love would have made sense for a long-term risk if this team was good then you go all in you take on money you try your best to be good for six weeks you if you have a healthy nurk and you have a healthy zach um then maybe that swinging for Kevin Love would really make sense. You just pay all this, you pay all this money, you get a really expensive team, you try to max out on talent and see what happens. Doesn't really make sense with all the injuries um, and because of where they're at in terms of decision making. I don't think they're going to be taking on ninety million dollars of long term money. Um, I think they'd rather have some flexibility going forward, considering where they are as a team. So no, I don't know if Kevin Love makes it. it may, it made sense at one point. It probably doesn't make sense now, but yeah, I'm still in favor of it. Sure, Kevin Love will be fun. Okay, next, the, or your first question that I kind of skimmed past. Considering the Blazers are looking for Zach to start next year, is there any chance for them to re-sign Melo? I, I think there's a chance. I don't. I wouldn't put it very high. I'll give it like a 15% chance. Um, Mello wants to start. I think that was part of the reason that he was out of the NBA for as long as he was, because he was looking for a chance to start. I think that was part of his deal. No one has come out and said that. That's just my read on it based on the Blazers didn't make a move to go get him until they had a starting spot obviously carved out for him. He didn't agree to come here until there was an obvious starting spot carved out for him. He... you know he's he's been fine as a starter. I'm not I'm not really speaking to the value judgment there. It just seems to me clear that that's what he wanted. And if the Blazers are committed to having Zach start next season, it makes Mello. Although he'd be a really useful bench player. Don't get me wrong. Um, it, I kind of think it's unlikely that he'll be back because of that exact reason you pointed out, Tony. All right, third segment coming back, finishing out the show with more of your questions. But before we get there. I want to tell you guys about advertising on this very podcast. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On Podcasts. 
But you may not know that Locked On Blazers is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Trailblazers fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On Blazers gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners right here in Portland and the greater Portland area. And it's not just any podcast listener, it's a Locked On Blazers podcast listener. In my opinion, the best type of podcast listener. Local fans love to support local businesses. So... Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve locked on advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. All right, still locked on Blazers, still Mike Richmond, still Mailbag Monday, and I'm still a pass first point guard. My man Kareem, who listens to this show, has sometimes complained that these bottle episodes don't touch on what actually happens in the games, particularly after the Blazers have a really good game. Well, tonight, it's MLK Day. It's actually late. It's early Tuesday morning. I I had to stay in right after the game, so it's early Tuesday morning, the day after MLK Day. But Damian Lord had 61 points, and none of your mailbag questions touched on it. So I'm going to pretend that um, this next question comes from Mike Richman, who at Mike G. Rich on Twitter, who asks, where does Damian Lord's 61 points against the Golden State Warriors rank on all-time great Dame performances? Well, Mike, that's a great question. Uh, it's It can't be better than the 50-point, 37-footer wave-by-by game against OKC. But if we're just putting up against regular season performances, the ones that I really remember are Dame scoring 59 against a really good Utah Jazz team in Portland. That Jazz team won 51 games, was right at the end of the season, and Dame dropped 59 on him and missed a free throw that he claims he definitely would have made, but Noah Vonley told him he already had 60, so he didn't focus as much. That one I'll definitely remember. Uh, There was a game in Early on in his career, in like 2014, at San Antonio, that went, I believe, deep into overtime. Like it, it, yeah, a three overtimes. He had 42. That that game always, I'll I'll remember. I would have thought it was double overtime without double checking that box score. Um, there was early on in 2017, he had 36 and 13 against OKC. Not super meaningful because it happened so early in the season, but that was the the early Paul George Russell Westbrook era, and Dame was just, he was the best player on the court. Um, that one will always, always stand out to me. Um, the others, uh, 10 threes at Orlando when that guy heckled him. I'll definitely remember that one. 51 at Golden State in 2016 when the Blazers just beat the pants off of the Golden State team that went 73-9. and uh, I think the Blazers scored almost 140 points in that game. Uh, I'll definitely remember that one. But I would put this 60-point up game up there with... 61-point game up there with his, at worst, third-best performance he's ever had in the regular season. Um, he was dynamite. He was just so good. I mean, you just, you look at the rest of the roster. No one could make any shots. Uh, he would have had a triple double if Gary Trent Jr. didn't airball all his shots. Um, <laughs> Gary Trent Jr. airballed two wide open threes. Dame finished with seven assists. Uh, so let's, let's say he makes one of those. We're up at eight. Um, 
The rest of the Blazers were ice cold as well, only hitting two out of 24 three-pointers. They hit a couple more of those. Most of them come off passes from Dame. Uh, would have been right up there. Most impressive part about this game is the Blazers just abandoned their offense and let Dame run a high pick and roll. Put Willie Cauley-Stein in the pick and roll a million times. He bailed him out. Hit a three with seconds remaining in regulation to force overtime. Hit a another three to put them ahead late in overtime only to have um, Alec Burks come back and hit one, but then Dame drew a foul, put the Blazers back on top. He was just, he was magnificent. This was a maestro type performance. Thanks for the question, Mike. And shout out to my guy, Kareem, because I, uh, your feedback has helped me realize got to keep it on topic. Okay. Next question comes from Amy Hall at accounting rocks on Twitter. That's A C C T G R O C K S, but accounting rocks. You get it. Just doesn't have all the vowels. Amy asks, why do the big-name players like Dame give the refs such a hard time about calls? It doesn't seem like it fits in with his leader role that big stars are often touted as playing on their teams. Yeah, I actually think it does play into the leader role. Um, If you'll notice, even on... Monday night, Golden State doesn't really have someone who's like a leader or a true star. D'Angelo Russell might fancy himself that, but he certainly doesn't carry himself or act that way. He doesn't spend a lot of time complaining to the refs. But star players in the league, they have to complain to the refs. That is maybe a annoying part of the NBA, but it's kind of how the game is played. If you are really good, you have to go to the refs and get your calls. You have to complain to them, explain to them where you got fouled, tell them where to look, tell them where to look for your teammates, and earn calls. Superstars get to the line. Dame gets to the line. It's part of his game. Uh, he does spend a lot of time whining. I, I'll give you that, but every good player in the league does. LeBron whines the whole time. James Harden whines a ton. Uh, Kawhi Leonard does not maybe whine, but you'll see him complain from time to time. Paul George, Russell Westbrook, uh, you name it. Luka Doncic, yeah, even 20-year-old Luka finds ways to complain still. Okay, final question of the show comes from Travis Outlaw Mask Replica at Justin underscore B underscore Leak who asks, in Bizarro World, the current roster fully healthy is Dame, CJ, Ariza, Mello, Nurk, starting with Ant, Gary, Trent, Hood, Collins, and Whiteside coming off the bench. There's no way, real quick, before I finish this question, there's no way Trevor Ariza starts over Rodney Hood in Bizarro World. But Travis Outlaw Mask Replica asks, how far in the real Western Conference would this theoretical, healthy Blazers roster team make it? Um, Good question, and I love these hypotheticals. It is, as I told you, the lifeblood of Lockdown Blazers are impossible hypotheticals with no real answers where I get to speculate. I'm going to say this team finishes third in the West with 52 wins. And they lose in the second round of the playoffs in a hard-fought seven-game series against the Los Angeles Clippers. Clippers grab the two-seed. Blazers finish third. They meet in what is a classic second-round playoff series. Dame has 45 in Game 2 and 47 in Game 3. But the Blazers lose in Game 4 and win a game when they win a chance to take control of the series. Clippers win Game 5 to take a 3-2 lead. Dame comes back a magnificent 29 in game six. CJ McCollum has 41. Rodney Hood chips in 22 off the bench. And Nurk, who had been quiet most of the series, held down by the Clippers' athletic bigs, Zubach and Montrez Harrell, has 20 and 20. 
in a classic Blazers game to force a game seven, but they just can't. They just don't have enough. And in game seven against the Clippers, this theoretical Blazer team bows out. That was probably more specific than you thought it was going to be at Justin underscore B underscore leak. But yeah, I think fully healthy, this team is one of the very good teams in the West. Unfortunately, they're not very healthy. Maybe we'll see this group next year. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks to everyone who submitted questions. I love Monday Mailbag. I hope you do too. If you want to get involved, tweet at me, at Mike G. Rich, or watch Monday mornings when I put out the tweet soliciting questions. That's how you get involved. The other way you get involved is tell your friends about this podcast so we can keep it rolling. They tell a friend. They tell a friend. The community keeps growing here on Lockdown Blazers. They can find this podcast wherever they already get podcasts. Google, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify. I appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.